Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Chilling tales for dark nights. Want to make sure you never miss a Chilling Tales for Dark Nights video again? Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell to turn on notifications. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with two audio adaptations of frightening fiction about nefarious nostalgia and corporeal classmates. I'm your host of the evening, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. We kick off the Halloween season with two tales this evening intended for just that, Halloween. 
Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of Lillian Darklore and Dorian J. Sinat are voice talents Olivia Steele and Creepy Face. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our Theater of the Minds, and brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale of the evening is written by Lillian Darklore and is performed by Olivia Steele and was a horrific Halloween contest entry. Without further ado, I present to you Black-Eyed Kid. The clouds blanketed the skyscrapers and high-rise apartments, completely blotting out the moon and stars. It was cool outside, enough to make goosebumps rise on the skin, but not enough to keep the weekend revelers from venturing, swerving, and reeling into the night. Matilda sat in her car for a few minutes, parked two blocks away from downtown, and she watched as a fine mist obscured her windshield. It's a perfect night for haunting, she thought. Hopefully, the rain would hold until the partiers had gone home and the city's streets were truly quiet. She flipped her visor open and checked her face. She was glad she'd opted for the white grease paint tonight instead of her usual pale foundation. It would be a pain to take off later, even with alcohol and baby wipes. But it wouldn't run in the rain. Her black lipstick glittered in the light of the orange street lamps. The matte black eyeshadow, her black sclera lenses, the centerpiece, and the pride and joy of her appearance made her look as if her eyes had been carved out, a skull's empty sockets. She adjusted her black duster and shirt and pushed her curly black hair around until she felt it was sufficiently big enough to stand up to the elements. By the time she was done, the view through the windshield had blurred to the orange splotches of streetlight beams and soft, smoky grays of buildings. She stepped out of the car, and the banging of the door echoed off the sides of the buildings when she closed it. She heard the thrum of live music pulsing from downtown, and she headed for it, her black duster billowing behind her, Doc Martens kerthwumping against the damp sidewalk. Too old to go trick-or-treating, but too young to work in haunted houses, something she had desperately wanted to do since childhood. She and her best friend Dave were casting about for ideas of what to do on the holiday last year. Originally, this was supposed to be a one-off Halloween prank. Dave cooked it up during one of his more sativa-induced moments of genius while watching countdowns related to the great clown scare of 2016, which was a period of a few months between June and November of that year, when mysterious clowns started popping up on the news and social media and in people's backyards. The prank was a resounding success. She and Dave, along with a few of his friends, dressed in masks and makeup, chased people leaving haunted houses until security was called. Then, 
They followed and chased groups of little kids through their neighborhoods and ended with scaring dressed-up late-night revelers, leaving costume parties and bars. One woman with an elaborate outfit of shimmering scales, horns, and fins threw her best-of-costume trophy at them before she fumbled her car door open and sped off. As the woman raced away, Matilda, Dave, and his friends howled in laughter and triumph. She suffered all through school the next day. Her legs ached from running. Her eyes felt like they were being scraped with sandpaper every time she blinked, after having only gotten two or three hours of sleep and wearing her sclera lenses for too long. She still had dark creases around her eyes from the makeup she'd worn the night before. She wanted nothing more than to collapse in sheer exhaustion. But each time she felt herself nodding off, she thought of the great time she and Dave and his friends had, the euphoria she felt running after a screaming victim, the hoots and hollers and high fives afterward. It felt good to imagine she had more than one real friend. The people she hung around with were just Dave's friends. She and Dave had known each other since fourth grade, when they bonded over being the only two kids that hung around the back fence during recess. She noticed the strange protrusion where his navel should have been. She'd also seen all the alien movies. It looked like a chestburster had gotten turned around and was slowly working itself out through his lower intestine. She pointed and said, Ew, what's that coming out of your stomach? He gave her a gapped-tooth smile that reminded her of a jack-o'-lantern, puffed out his thin chest, and pulled up his shirt to reveal his protruding navel. It's my Audi button, he proclaimed, lisping through the holes in his mouth. An in-depth discussion was followed about innies and outies until recess was over. Eight years later, that same gap-toothed alien queen belly booger was busted for possession and sent to live with an aunt who lived out of town as part of his probation. Without Dave as a catalyst, his friends, who had tolerated her only because she was Dave's best friend, had scattered to the four winds. She knew Dave's friends thought she was annoying because none of them were afraid to state their opinion about her. She never let it bother her. She normally just flipped them off and ignored them. Now that Dave was doing time, as he called it during her visits and his phone calls, and it seemed that his friends had disappeared, she was starting to feel lonely. She closed her eyes for a moment and raised her face to the sky as she walked, and she felt the mist gather and drip down her skin. At least I still have this, she thought. She stalked the deserted streets, looking for victims. She got one good chase out of the night. She caught a young woman and her date leaving a country club, getting a little too familiar with each other. She followed them to the multi-level parking garage of an upscale high-rise, always staying about half a block away from them at first, closer when they noticed. Get the fuck away from us! The man shouted. The woman pulled out her cell phone from her purse 
and started recording herself as she tried to jog in her high heels, narrating what was happening. She turned and yelled, Who are you? What the hell do you want? She chased them all the way to an elevator in the garage, and the sound of her boots hitting the pavement echoed off the concrete walls. The couple tumbled into the elevator, and they were cowering in a knotted mass of limbs in the corner of the contraption when she appeared in the doorway. They stared at her with wide eyes and gaping mouths. She stared back, letting a smile play on her lips. The door gave a harsh, two-toned chum-chime before the door started to close. Matilda noticed that the woman still had the phone trained on her. Come play with us, Matilda said in a high, childlike voice. Generic, yes, but it was the first thing she could think to say before the doors closed. As soon as she heard the elevator begin to ascend, she allowed herself a moment to release her stifled laughter. She had never been able to get so close before, or had such goofy, dumb victims. That had been the best encounter yet. As she stepped out of the garage, the mist became more earnest in its pretensions to rain. She called it a night and returned to her car a few blocks away. Inside her car, she leaned her head against the seat and closed her eyes. They were starting to feel itchy and irritated from the contacts, and it felt good to close them. Her arms and legs felt like they weighed a ton, and she felt as if the seat would absorb her into itself. She didn't realize until then how exhausted she felt. A tap on the window jolted her awake. She looked around for a moment, discombobulated about why she was seated in her car. Then she remembered that she had fallen asleep in her seat before even driving home. She saw a pale face gazing at her through the rain-blurred window. A cop, she thought, scrambling to roll down the window, probably wondering what I'm doing in weird makeup in the middle of the night. She rolled down the window and tried to come up with a quick explanation for herself. Then, noticed it was Dave, oil-slicked eyes staring at her, a lopsided grin on his matte black lips. Hey, little girl, Dave said. What you doing out here? She fumbled with the car door as she tried to wrench it open. Dave? Dave, when did you get back? She blurted as she scrambled out of her car and threw her arms around his neck. You bonehead, she said. If you'd asked me, I would have gone to pick you up. It was raining now, but Matilda barely noticed as she held him. There was something she did notice. He wasn't holding her. His back and shoulders were stiff and tight as rails. She also noticed how cool his body felt beneath his black hoodie and t-shirt, and how dry his clothes were. A cold stone of fear swelled in her stomach as she heard Dave hum in a childish, sing-song kind of way. Pop goes the weasel. She remembered that Dave didn't have a pair of Scalera lenses or black lipstick, 
and that he usually wore a goofy clown mask. She disengaged from him and looked up into the oily pits of his eyes, his grin now mirthless. Voldia, he said. She didn't have time to scream. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Horror Story is a podcast about strange and mysterious true horrors. My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and producer of Horror Story. In the show, I have an episode called There's a Stranger in Your Walls. And it's about a woman that moved out of her home because she thought it was being haunted. But the truth happened to be even scarier than the ghosts. Other stories dive deep into the supernatural, like the one of the most infamous cases of real ghosts, called The Haunting in San Pedro. But if you're into mysteries, learn about the pilot who disappeared in the sky. All of these and more are available on Horror Story right now, with more episodes coming out every single week. You can search for the podcast by typing in Horror Story on your podcast app right now. The show is the one with the yellow letters. I'll see you over there on Horror Story. I hope you enjoyed Black-Eyed Kid, as written by Lillian Darklore and voiced by Olivia Steele. You can hear more of Olivia right here on our podcast network and YouTube episodes as well as her very own YouTube channel called Scarily Olivia. Our second tale of the evening comes to us from Arthur Dorian J. Sinat and is performed by Creepy Face. It was the horrifically beautiful result of a writing prompt Chilling Tales for Dark Nights posted all the way back in 2019. So sit back and enjoy this blast from the past. Now, without further ado... I present to you, Annie. I'll never forget the Halloween I moved to Westport. It was a rough year for me. Just barely twelve, moving in the hottest summer months to a new town in the middle of nowhere. Coming from the big city, the endless fields and forests were definitely new territory. Concrete was replaced with dirt and grass, skyscrapers, tall oaks. My mother assured me that I would adjust in time, that I'd feel more comfortable once I started school and made new friends. But as the crisp September air set on the small town, I began to feel lonelier than ever. 
It was hard, being the new kid. And by the end of my first month of school, I had not one friend. Well, except for Annie. I'd met her one day in the park, after school, swinging on the swing set just beneath the old maple trees. Her auburn hair glistened in the afternoon sun, radiant like the freshly fallen autumn leaves. I still remember her smile, her deep cinnamon brown eyes and freckled cheeks. I remember her humming, kicking her legs higher and higher, lifting her into the air. I was hesitant to take the swing beside her, at first, and quite honestly, was surprised when she acknowledged me when I did. Hi, she smiled. My name's Annie. What's yours? I glanced over to her. Ollie. Hi, Ollie. There was a little laugh in her voice. I haven't seen you around the park before. This your first time here? I nodded. Yeah. My mom and I moved here last month. I'm still getting used to everything. Annie stopped swinging dragging her feet through the dirt beneath the swing to come to a full stop. She looked over at me, smile never fading. Well, if there's anything you want to know, I got you. She winked. I've been here my whole life. I know lots of the places around for playing games and stuff. I can show you sometime. I felt a smile tugging at the corners of my mouth. This was the first time anyone had voluntarily offered to do anything with me in this town. And I thought getting to know some of the best places to hang out would be a plus. That would be great, I said. We talked for a while longer, Annie asking questions about where I moved here from, what the city was like, all the basic new kid questions. I asked her a little about herself as well, where she lived about her parents, what grade she was in. I just live with my dad, she said quietly. And I don't go to school, not anymore anyway. Really? I asked, surprised. How come? Annie was about to answer me when I heard my mother calling from the park bench. It was getting late in the evening, and I knew she wanted to be home to make dinner. I smiled one last time at Annie, extending my hand in friendship. She took it eagerly and smiled back. It was only then that I noticed the bruises just beneath her shirt sleeve. I thought nothing of it, what child would, and said goodbye. For the first night in what felt like forever, I was eager to tell my mother about my day and my new friend, Annie. For the next few weeks, Annie and I played together every day. I would find her on the swing at the park, humming and waiting for me. And then we would explore the small town, heading up and down the old streets and between shops. Annie had a story about everything. My dad says it gets real busy through here this time of year. Something about peepers coming through, she said. Peepers? I asked. She made her eyes wide, making faux binoculars with her hands around them. Yeah, peepers. I guess people from the city that come up here to look at the leaves changing or something. She looked at me. I guess that makes you a peeper, Ollie. 
while we spent our time hanging around the storefronts and at the park. Our favorite place to go ended up being just at the edge of town, to a wooded area, what must have been hundreds of acres. We never went too deep into the forest. Annie warned me that there were wild animals there, bears, coyotes, and rumored cougars. I wouldn't doubt it if the boogeyman lived out here too, she'd say, probably out in a little shack by the creek. We'd sit out in the foliage, looking up at the gray skies hidden behind the bare branches of trees, just talking, laughing, living childhood the way we all should, free. As it became closer to the end of October, however, I started noticing that the bruises on Annie's arms were thicker, darker. I didn't want to ask about them at first. Most kids had bruises. Even I had my fair share of falling off my bike or off swings, but there was something about Annie's that didn't seem right. What... what happened to your arm? I asked once I had the courage to do so. I could tell I'd hit a nerve. Annie's bright smile quickly faded, and she tugged her sleeve down to cover the dark marks. Uh-oh, it's nothing. I didn't question her further. Instead, we just lay together in silence, on our backs, atop a carpet of dead leaves. We watched the autumn gray turn above us, brushed by the skeletal branches. The first sign that winter would soon be on its way. After a long while, Annie finally spoke again. Sometimes I wish I could move away. I looked over at her. M move away? Yeah, she said, feigning a soft smile. Somewhere far away. Somewhere new. Where no one knows me. Where I can just... just start over. I was silent. She rolled over onto her side, facing me. You're lucky, Ollie. You're free. Looking back, I liked to believe that Annie got her wish. Her dream of moving away to some unknown place, new and fresh. We had been looking forward to Halloween all month, and were so excited to show each other our costumes. I went as a vampire thinking it would be so cool to get to use the fake blood capsules in my mouth, and convinced my mother was finally old enough myself to give them a try. And Annie... Annie went as an angel. Her white dress reflected the dim streetlights, making her stand out brilliantly against the shadows. I'll never forget how she looked that night. Shining. Radiant. It still gets to me that that Halloween night was the last time I ever saw her. I remember getting candy, laughing as we filled our pumpkin buckets. We rang doorbells, scrunching our noses at every raisin and popcorn ball tossed our way, and playfully arguing over which candy was the best. Well, I'll trade three of my three musketeers for one of your Twix, I'd said. No way. Annie shot back. When we were done in our neighborhood, we wandered to the edge of the wooded area where we played daily. Annie was quiet, gazing out at the trees. The darkness. 
I approached her, speaking softly. Annie. She didn't look at me. She was still for a moment longer before responding. Low and distant. I should get home. My dad won't want me out this late. I never truly got to say goodbye. Annie turned from the forest, from me, so quickly, and went back home. The next day, I didn't see her at the park where we usually would meet. I sat on the swing for hours, clutching my bucket of Halloween candy, waiting for the trades we had promised. Rumors began to spread through my school of kids who had known Annie, saying that she probably ran away. She'd spoken of it often. Ever since her father pulled her out of school, but I didn't understand. I knew how much she longed to escape this town and the confines it left us in, but I never thought she would just up and leave in the night. Without a word, a goodbye, at least not to me. I never stopped thinking about Annie, not even after my teen years, in adulthood. There always had been a feeling of loss when the leaves began to change and the air grew cool and crisp. And every Halloween, I've always wondered about her, about where she went, why she hadn't said goodbye, and ultimately if she found her freedom, her happiness, and if she ever thought of me. This Halloween, I finally felt the excitement I had when I was a child. My son, Devin, was finally at the age where he could enjoy the day. In previous years, my wife and I always brought him around to a few of the local houses, but he was too young to really understand. Or eat the candy. Now that he was five, he definitely had more of the Halloween spirit in him. He chose his own costume this year, dinosaur onesie, and had been more than excited about going around to get candy. When the sun began to sink behind the hills, we headed out, flashlights in hand. Devin walked close beside me, his little pumpkin candy collector swaying at his side. We hit up the first few houses on our side of the street, making our way to the end of town, just beyond the storefronts. Devin was much more lively this year and into the whole trick-or-treating thing, and so going the extra distance wasn't as difficult as it had been in past years. A cranky toddler definitely didn't stand well for being that far from home late at night. As we made our way towards the end of the street, I could have sworn I heard a soft humming coming from behind me. I glanced back, expecting to find a trailing child on their way for the last rounds before the curfew set in. But all I was met with was darkness. The distant street lamps burning in the center of town. I was still for a moment, keeping a firm grip on Devin's hand, before I heard him begin to hum. That same tune I thought came from behind me. Dev, I said softly. Y you heard that too? My son looked up at me and nodded, 
Again, I thought I heard that same cheery, but at the same time somber humming. Only this time, it was coming from the trees, the wooded area just before us. True Scary Story is a podcast about personal, terrifying stories dealing with the paranormal. True accounts from people who live through strange and supernatural experiences, told directly by them. My name is Edwin Covarrubias, and for years I have been listening to stories from people who have shared their most frightening true experiences with me. There was one story recently called There's Something in the Closet, where Juanita tells us about her experiences growing up in a house where she would see objects physically move on their own, but the rest of her family would act as if nothing was happening. It wasn't until years later that she found out what the source of it all was, which makes me wonder, if you were to witness a haunting, who would believe you? Come find True Scary Story by typing it into your app right now. I'll see you over there on True Scary Story. I went to head back towards the center of town, back to the other houses on the opposite side of the street, leading home when my cell phone rang. It was my wife, late at work due to overtime. I answered, focusing on the conversation and what I could around me. Hello, I said. What? Another hour? They know you have a kid who you want to spend Halloween with, right? They couldn't just find someone else tonight? Somewhere, too focused in our call. I lost track of time. Lost track of everything outside of the conversation. Devin managed to slip his hand from mine, making his way towards the forest. I heard him humming softly in the background of my call, but failed to realize that he had stepped away. Stepped to the edge of the wood. Only when I hung up did I realize him there, as if in a trance staring off into the wall of trees. Devin! I hurried over to him, taking his hand back. Devin, what have I told you about wandering off? It's dark. Devin was quiet. He ignored my question, answering only with, But the girl. I looked around, unsure of who he was talking about. I hadn't seen anyone near us, regardless of how little focus I had while on my call. What girl? I asked. Devin slowly raised his hand, pointing out into the darkness of the trees. Sure enough, there, deep between the branches and trunks, I could make out a figure in all white. And then, the humming. That humming I knew I had heard before. The tune my son began to mimic. I felt Devin yank his hand away from me once more, this time hurrying into the trees towards the figure. I called out to him, immediately following. The figure shifted as if airy, floating away through the trees. But Devin followed. I kept calling out to him, my heart pounding, flashlight frantically trying to light my path. It was only when we reached the edge of a rocky slope that caught up to my son. 
I stopped beside him and scooped him into my arms. Don't ever run off again, I said sternly, trying to catch my breath, both from exhaustion and fear. Do you understand me? What if something happened to you? What if you fell or got lost or... Devin wasn't paying any mind to me. He only continued to stare at the bottom of the slope. I slowly shone my flashlight down the leaf and rock-ridden decline, the shaft of light catching on broken twigs and dead grass, just at the edge of where the light no longer could shine. It caught on something bright, white, radiant. I had to allow my eyes to adjust in the darkness and the frail light my flashlight offered. But what I saw was no trick of shadow or light. It was a dress, once pure white, now tattered and torn by the elements, stained with dirt and mud and time. But it wasn't the dress that brought the feeling of dread to the pit of my stomach. Nor was it when my son, tightly gripping my shirt, in a sad tone, said, Annie. It was what was in the dress, that once pure white angel dress. There was nothing left but old bones, skin rotten and decayed, graying, pulled tight. The eye sockets were hollowed out, every ounce of flesh shriveled and picked clean by the forest, picked clean by time itself. And the blood, the dried blood now browned and thick that coated the neckline of the dress, staining down the chest. The only feature that hadn't been warped, tainted, was the auburn hair that still clung to the thin scalp attached to the skull. I felt sick, but yet I, I couldn't remove the ray of light from the corpse. The corpse of the child buried partly by old, decaying leaves, and by the town itself. The next morning the police took to the woods, excavating the body from deep within the trees. It was identified as Annie, the young girl I had befriended all those years ago, the one I last saw in that white angel dress late one Halloween. They say she was murdered and discarded out there, over the ravines, near the creek, where no one hardly ever traveled. No one except us, when we were kids. They suspected it was her father, the drunken old man who had pulled her from classes to homeschool her when the worry of check-ins became too heavy, too risky, when the bruises on her arms began to show. She dreamed of running away, away from the town, away from her father, the only real boogeyman that ever existed. When they finally closed the case and laid her to rest, I stayed beside the grave, lost and looking for words. But the only one I was able to find in that cold autumn gray 
was the one I longed to have said all those years before. Goodbye, Annie. Every Halloween I still wait at the edge of the wood, like I did the night I last saw her. I wait for just before curfew, when the streets become quiet, and the last of the children head home to count their candy and turn into sleep. Only then will I hum that song that was once familiar to my ears, the one from the park swing so long ago. And I wait, and wait, until the echo rises from beyond the trees, soft, sweet, often accompanied with the cool breeze, wrapping its way around my being. I'm lucky, Ollie. I'm free. I hope you enjoyed Annie, as written by Dorian J. Sinat and performed by Creepy Face. Dorian J. Sinat is a graduate of Emerson College's writing, literature, and publishing program, currently living in Kingston, New York with his two cats. When he's not writing, he enjoys English horseback riding, playing violin, and traveling to comic cons all up and down the East Coast. He's the social media editor for Coffin Bell Journal. Dorian's work has appeared in numerous magazines and journals, including Spill Your Guts Horrorzine, The Forest of Fear, and Disturbed Digest. Creepy Faces performances can be found right here on our very own network, as well as on his YouTube channel called By the Same Name. Now, our weekly Descent into the Depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, 
and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.